Hear the word of God. Psalm 3, a psalm of David when he fled from his son, Absalom. Yahweh, how my foes increase. There, there are many who attack me, many who say about me, there is no hope for him in God. Selah. But you, O oh Yahweh, are a shield around me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cry aloud to Yahweh, and he answers me from his holy mountain. Selah. I lie down and sleep. I awake again because Yahweh sustains me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. Rise up, Yahweh. Save me, my God. You will strike all my enemies on the cheek. You will break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation is from Yahweh. Oh, may your blessing be upon your people. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Harold, would you come up? Pray. And I want to pray for Harold as he brings the word to us this morning. Let's pray together. And if you if you'd like, I'm going to lay my hands on him. If you feel comfortable, you can stretch out a hand in a hand of blessing upon Harold this morning. Father God, we come before you now and and I was just thinking last night of, of the story of Nehemiah and the great tradition of, of the prophets that, that the word of God was read clearly and then your men, priests, would stand up and it says they gave the sense of what was read. They gave an understanding for your people. And so now here stands our brother Harold in a long tradition of those who have stood up after the reading of the word of God to give the sense and meaning of that word. Would you anoint him now with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill him with your Holy Spirit? Would you give him your words for us this morning? We are so thankful for him. Uh, already we are thankful for his ministry. And Father, I now I pray for this people, my family, Grace Church, and I pray the same for them. Would you anoint them and fill them with the Spirit? Would you remove all distraction from us so that we can zero in on what you have for us this morning? And all God's people said, amen. amen. Love you, brother. Amen. Good morning, church. I feel so privileged to have a second Sunday to be here and to share the Word of God with you. I didn't realize that Matthew was going to be here this morning. I might not have said yes. <laughs> We're in Psalm 3 this morning, and Matthew has not only given us what it says, he's given us a very emotional sense of what it says. Thank you. When life is absolutely and totally on the skids. However that may look, for each of us it will be different, but when life is on the skids and going as the uh, 
phrase says, in the dumper. Who do you call? Who are you going to call? No, not Ghostbusters. <laughs> I, I know that's what came to you, some of your minds. <laughs> Who are you going to call? When there's nothing that you can do. You know, there's a lot of advertising dollars and a lot of effort being spent and given in order to train us how to answer that question. If you're in trouble at home or if you're being attacked, who do you call? Who are you going to call? Well, call 911. If you're stuck on the side of the road, who do you call? Well, turn on your OnStar or whatever it is in your car or call AAA. If you live in Colorado and you're injured in an accident that is not your fault, everyone knows you call, no, no, <laughs> no, no free advertising. <laughs> but the fact is we only have to hear those things and part of them even to know that, oh yeah, that's who I call. And in Psalm 3, Dave for David, life is on the skids. Life has gone into the dumper. And he gives us his testimony to the question, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? There's a couple of things I want to say about this psalm before we dig into it. The first is, this is the first of the psalms that has a title as a part of the text. Now in the Hebrew Bible, these, these titles actually have a verse number. So that between the Hebrew text and the English text, there's a difference in numbers. <laughs> it's like, whoa, this is messed up. No, it's not messed up because these titles are considered to be a part of the text. And in this case, it's David, and he is writing this psalm when he's fleeing from his son Absalom. Now, if you want kind of the full story of that, you've got to go back to 2 Samuel chapters 15, 16, and 17. And I'm not going to read from those this morning because... The rest of the sermon would have to go by the wayside. But David has experienced his son, Absalom, trying his best to steal the throne. He even set up a roadside stand where people were coming into Jerusalem to make their pleas, their uh, help requests to the king and he says, no, nah, you don't need to go in there because the king is busy. The king is busy. Now, if you really want some help, talk to me. Talk to me. I'm, I'm the guy. So call me. <laughs> call me. And uh, the more it goes on, he gathers uh, a bunch of men with him. And eventually, it's like 12,000. 12,000. And no wonder David says in this opening to his psalm, well, <laughs> things are bad. 
Things are really bad. Lord, how my foes increase. It's not just that I've got foes, but it seems like every day the army against me is building. Every day it seems like more and more people are a part of this attack against me. And he realizes very clearly in the language there is no way out. There is no way out. Now, I know we've heard the rest of the, the text, but as he looks at his situation, he says, this is bad. This is bad. There is a rising horde of disloyalty around him. And not only that, not only are they rushing to take his life, and maybe not his life, but his throne at least, they drive the attack deeper by shouting, God won't deliver him. That's kind of the sense of it. There's no help from God for him. As a matter of fact, back in uh, 2 Samuel, it says that a man by the name of Shimei comes out of his house and sees David, and he says, well, he throws rocks at him to start with. And then he says, God is giving you what you deserve. Wow. See, this whole thing is not just an attack against his kingship. It's not just an attack against his uh, authority. It's an attack against him and his dignity. And God won't help him. I don't know about you, but I've felt that way sometimes. And other people have helped me feel that way sometimes. Life is tough. There's stuff and people coming against me. And I feel like God has moved on. you ever felt that way? Um, you're not normal if you haven't. <laughs> because that's how life hits. And that's how our culture looks at it. If we are having troubles, it's because God has forgotten us. God has left us. God is busy with more important things. <laughs> you ever feel that way? God has more important things to take care of. This is where David's at right now. This is where David's at as he writes this psalm. And he says, Life, really coming at me. 
and they're accusing me. It's my fault. And in some of the some of the text back in 2 Samuel, it seems like part of the accusation is that he's a man of blood. He didn't discipline his son Absalom when he killed his brother. You messed up, David. This is all your fault. But! I just love that word in the Bible. Because it usually means that stuff is going down the dumper, but a change is coming. A change is coming. But, and it's not just but, it's but God. But God. David said, you... You have your intentions for me, but I know my God. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I cry aloud to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain, Selah. You can almost hear the shout in the midst of the enemies. I know my God. He is my protector, my shield. He is my glory. The one who gives me, gives my life substance, weightiness, meaning. It's not you guys. It's not what you think of me. But God has given my life weight. Weight. I'm not nothing because God has said in His interaction with me, you are something. There's substance in my life because of my God. David says, he's also the one who lifts my head. The Hebrew phrase that's translated, lifts up my head, means giving a public sign of dignity and honor. You may have done that with your children. They're down, they're discouraged, things have been bad. And you look at them and you lift up their head. And you look in their eyes. And you give them a sense of dignity. You give them a sense of, I'm with you in this. You lift up their head and you say, <laughs> You're not alone. You're not alone. And David says, that's my God. That's my God. And so I call out to him. <laughs> and so I call out to him. Who are you going to call? <laughs> David says, call on Yahweh. 
Call on God, who is all of those things to me. How about you? How about you? Are you and I so confident in God's character and so confident in God's commitment to us that we can point to him in the middle of hard times that seem to say, God has forgotten me, and yet I know God. And so I cry out to him. Um, one, of, one of the ways that we can get to that place is by a continuing encounter with the Word of God so that we get to know who God is. So that we get to, not because somebody else said, but because the Word of God says, this is who God is. We also get to that place when we are in fellowship with other believers who have gone through hard times and God has been faithful and God has been rich in their lives and they're saying, listen, <laughs> this is our God. This is our God. We also get to that place by looking at our experiences. You say, you don't know my experiences. But God said to the Israelites, build a stone pile. <laughs> build a stone pile. Uh, I love that phrase because God said, you know, look around you where you're at right now and realize what God has done for you in this place and build a pile of stones. So whenever you come by this place, the pile of stones says, God did that. God was there. And I, I, you know, I encourage people, you know, God just worked in an incredible way in your life. How are you going to build a pile of stones? Something that will be a reminder to you of what God is in your life. But there's one more thing. We have the rest of the story. We have the rest of the story. The rest of the story that David didn't have. The rest of the story that David could only anticipate. The rest of the story that David was looking forward to. The rest of the story where the Messiah came and the Messiah brought God's incredible love to us. <sighs> and the New Testament tells us again and again and again what, what's your hand hold when you're in the pit? What's your hand hold when you're in the quicksand? What's your hand hold? It is the grace of God extended to you through Jesus Christ. Amen. That ought to be a constant, constant rock pile in our lives that we go by and say, that's my God. That's my God. That's the God I know. That's the God. And I ask again, how are we building that sense of who God is so that when things go in the dumper, we don't have to go, man, can I trust God? Is he really up to this? Boy, I don't know. You know no. I'm in a dumper, but I know my God. I know him. I don't just know about him. I know him. 
I've experienced his life, his, his grace, the wonder of his love through Jesus Christ and those rock piles in my life. I could share some of mine with you, but I don't have time. <laughs> have you built any rock piles lately? I'm talking about physical ways, physical ways that you establish some point of remembrance in your life of God at work. We need to do that. We need to do that. But David continues on with his uh, testimony. He says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people. Remember, at one point, it's 12,000 people that Absalom has gathered to come against David. It's, I will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. I have to admit, because if I don't, my wife will tell you, that isn't always my testimony in the middle of difficult times. When it seems like the forces of the world are against me, my wife will tell you that there are times that I'm sitting on the edge of the bed during the night. There are times that I'm up walking around, pacing in the living room. But, as I think about that, I realize that it's because I've focused on all the troubles and, and not the one who has loved me. <laughs> I've focused on the one who, I mean, I focused on the hardships and not the one who is my shield and the one who gives me glory. Not because I deserve it, but because of His grace. It's because of what I'm focusing on. Peter learned that lesson, of course. You know, if you're familiar with the story of Peter, you know, he's out in the boat and Jesus comes walking on the water and the storm is great and they're all fearing for their lives. And all of a sudden they, they look and they say, It's a ghost! And Jesus says, No, I am. And, and Peter says, oh, if it's you, tell me to come. He knew better than to jump out of the boat on his own. <laughs> he said, you tell me to come. <laughs> and Jesus said, come, Peter. And Peter bails out of the boat and goes walking toward Jesus. And, you know, to simplify the story just a little bit, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was doing fine. But the minute he turned his head and began to focus on the wind and the waves, going, what am I doing? <laughs> you see, it's what we choose to focus on. It's what we choose to focus on. And David says, I choose to focus on I know my God. 
And so I can lay down at night and I can sleep. I can sleep the sleep of a baby. Now some of your moms are, some of you moms are going, you don't know my baby. <laughs> but you know that phrase, right? He sleeps. You see, David's testimony is the same as Paul's statement in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I have that verse on the wall in my little study area. The problem is it doesn't do any good on the wall. <laughs> it's got to be in here and in here. <laughs> so when things are going bad, I'm going, I know who to call. <laughs> I know who to trust. I, knew how, I know who to commit it to so that he can then pour out a peace that in this world doesn't have any understanding. Like it goes beyond. I, uh, my wife had an incredibly, incredibly precious relationship with her father. He was a great man. And she loved him deeply. And when he passed, I just fully expected that my wife's life might kind of come apart. That grief would really grab her. And I was, uh, I mean, she's grieving, obviously, but I, I'm watching and, and she's praising the Lord and she's, she's, you know, got that smile on her face and she's, you know, it's like, what? Don't be afraid of anything, but in everything, pray and don't, forgive, don't forget to give thanks to God and He will give you peace. And I'm watching it. I'm watching it. And in David, we get to watch it. We get to see it. It's there. And so, in the fourth fourth part of this psalm, I know it's divided into three by the word selah, but for this morning's purpose, we're taking it in four. In the last section, David's call. <laughs> Who are you going to call? David said, well, I call on the Lord because his place is on the holy hill. <laughs> Nobody's knocked him off the mountain. Absalom may, may make it seem like it. Absalom may, may, you know, what's he doing anyway? God, Yahweh, is still on the throne. And so I call to him, Arise, Lord. Rise up and save me, my God. 
You strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be on your people. Selah. Here's David's call for action. <laughs> God, will you act? Now, just reading that in English, you might think that David is being a little impertinent. Come on, God, get up. Do something. But David is praying in the context of his culture where if the king is going to take action, he gets up. He gets up from his throne. And David is simply saying, take action, Lord. I know that you can, but will you? Yes, you can, and I'm asking you to. Arise from your throne and Take action. And bust their jaws and knock their teeth out. That's, that's not very Christian. <laughs> that's not, you know, you have trouble with those <laughs> psalms where they go, Get them, God! There's two interesting things. Number one, in this psalm, they're in the past tense. They're in the past tense. If, God, you arise and rescue me, if, God, you arise and rescue me, this is what you will have done. You will have taken them out. And the fact is, the Scripture recognizes that sometimes salvation is messy. Our spiritual salvation cost Jesus his life on the cross. It's a little messy, a little costly. In the book of Revelation, those who died during the persecution, during the hard times, they're under the throne. That's where they're pictured. And they're crying out to God, when are you going to avenge our deaths? <laughs> Please take some action. And it means that, God, you're going to have to bring vengeance on them. In 2 Peter, Peter recognizes that there are people who are going, where, you know, where is God? He made this promise that he was going to come back and make everything right. And, and you've you got a bunch of people around you who are scoffing and saying, everything's the same as it was from the very beginning. <laughs> and in the context of that, it says, don't forget, God is not forgetful. He remembers his promise, but he is patient, not wanting that anyone should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Peter's saying, listen, you know, you, you want justice, and rightly so, but it's going to be costly. It's going to cost the lives of some people around you. God is going to have to break some jaws and knock some teeth out. 
It's costly. So, don't get in a hurry. It's interesting that that's how David closes this psalm. Salvation is the Lord's. Salvation is the Lord's. Not only is he the only one who can do it, but the timing is his. The timing is his. He is the one who's in charge. And there's a question in that for you and I. Worship team, will you come up, please? There's a question for us in that. Am I willing to be patient, knowing that God will? God will. He is able and He will bring justice. Am I willing <coughs> to be patient so that God can do it in His timing? Amen. Am I willing to say, justice, salvation belongs to the Lord? Amen. No, God. I want it now. I want you to bust some teeth and knock some jaws. I want you to come now and do it. And the psalmist says, you know, that's what I want too. I'm with you. But justice belongs to the Lord. Justice belongs to the Lord. Do you trust that? Not only that God is God and He is able to be our shield and our glory and the lifter of our heads, but that God hasn't forgotten and the timing is His. I, I really love Timothy Keller's little devotional book on the Psalms, The Songs of Jesus and I think his prayer at the ending of the devotion for Psalm 3 is appropriate for this morning. Lord and Savior, I am facing so much trouble, some of my own making. But I can hold my head up because I am your child and servant. So be my shield, protect me, and be my glory. Give me confidence that you are with me and will bring, the, bring me through this. Help me. Amen. Amen.